What's up and welcome to the Spoko Radio Post Game Show. Iowa just beat Nebraska 27-24 on a last second field goal by Keith Duncan. I'm joined by Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how are you feeling after that close, close game versus Nebraska today? I too inherited a team with weak confidence, but my team ended up winning still and Scott Frost's team, the biggest joke in the Big Ten, did not. I mean, if anything, this team has... A ton of confidence because they can play and win games without having any sort of offense in the second half. 100%. Seven yards in the third quarter doesn't mean anything because, oh, Kirk Ferentz just plays the punt-and-go game, and it ends up working. Ends up coming through. Let's start things off with your tweet length summary for this game. We'll we'll let you start things off. Iowa stops Nebraska from reaching a bowl yet again. Period. Scott Frost, biggest joke in the Big Ten Conference and maybe all of college football. I don't know if there's enough characters for that, but that's my tweet. I think you got that just in (laughs) underneath the character limit. Mine will be Keith Duncan prevents zebra hunting in Iowa City because (laughs) Keith Duncan coming through in the clutch preventing some very, very questionable calls throughout the game by the officials in Lincoln. It's so so questioning that you have plenty of college football and football writers in general tweeting their thoughts during the game that Iowa's overcoming a lot of obstacles to actually be in a place to win this game, let alone come up through on top at the end. Mm-hmm. But from the miscatch, the overruled targeting, the various missed face masks, uh, personal... Blocking downfield... Yeah, guys, I mean, just everywhere there were there were missed calls by this officiating crew. Iowa prevails and uh, comes out on top with the chance of a 10-win season. Who, Jer, is your player of the game? Who gets your game ball? Well, uh, before I even get there, I want I would I want to say I I wouldn't be shocked if the referees while driving probably from the Chicago area through Iowa threw a little money on Nebraska and the money line because that's how bad and egregious some of these calls were today and some of their misses were. I mean, I have when the I know Twitter is like an echo chamber, but when the national media writers who often tell everybody to just move on to the next play, you can't handle officiating. It is what it is. We all know this stuff. I mean, they we got we got processed today. Like I don't I still don't understand what a catch is at this point because like if that's not a catch, then for for regaining, I don't know what is. And like to me, that was the worst one of the day. It just seemed completely obvious that they were trying to throw this game. That yeah, that was the backbreaker. Adam Hogue, who covers the Bears in Chicago, here he actually tweeted about this catch himself. He said uh, that catch they overturned in the Iowa Nebraska game was ridiculous. Nico Regani had two feet, a knee, and an elbow down, then rolled over with the ball, and after all of that, it popped out somehow, not a catch. I retweeted him and said he must have forgot his two forms of identification and original birth certificate. (laughs) Nice. There's no other way that that really wasn't a catch. And then you also had Stuart Mandel saying, what a win for Iowa. There were about 47 different obstacles on that game-winning drive. Nebraska misses a bowl bowl for the third straight season. Never thought I'd type that sentence. And really, 47 seems light. And when Stuart Mandel, the guy who called Kirk Ferentz the most overrated, overpaid coach in America, is, is picking up that and saying I was going through a lot just to win this game, I mean, it has to tell you that Nebraska fans, I know there's a lot of you out there who are saying the officiating was bad both ways. It just really wasn't the case. It really wasn't. There were missed calls repeatedly that went Nebraska's way and that were just blatant calls that were going that, – that were shouldn't have, I mean they shouldn't have ever come down to that. It, it honestly like if one of if Scott Frost would have like 
gone out in the field to distract one of the referees while like Adrian Martinez low blows AJ Epinesa WWE style, I wouldn't have been shocked. It, it just seemed like a WWE character event. These guys were just openly just making these terrible calls. How you miss a face mask, but catch Amir Smith-Marset pushing returning. back, returning. Like it's uh, Tyler Goodson's neck got ripped off, but you missed that because you're so focused on Amir Smith-Marset jawing it up and then kind of shoving another guy. Whatever. Kind of retaliating to him getting punched first. <sighs> Correct. And I know the second guy always seems to get the flag, and that's just football. But, I mean, whatever. This was terrible, terrible on the referees. But Iowa still prevailed, which gets us back to the game ball, your original question that I took us and derailed this conversation with. And my okay. game ball is absolutely glued to Tyler Goodson. Without him in the first half, this game does I- – I- Iowa probably loses this game, and the refs get what they want. No, you're 100% right. I mean, without him in that first half, I mean, we clearly saw what without him in the second half what that what this offense looked like. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just no no real running lanes. The one time they did, they immediately fumbled the next play. Um, the offense. I mean, I don't really want to even bring up this stat line, but Nate Stanley threw for under a hundred yards today. Oh, his QBR was fifteen point four today. Do you know who the leading receiver was today? I do not. Sam Laporta, the greatest tight end on the Iowa history, with three receptions for thirty-seven yards. There you go. Amir Smith Marset had more rushing yards than receiving yards today. Yes, he did. And that return. Ooh, he could have got the game ball too. I'm sure Champ, if he was here, he would probably give it to Amir Smith Marset because I know how much he loves him. He would. And he'll he'll get to watch this game on replay after he gets done working tonight. Oh, uh, shouts to you, Champ. My game ball's going to Keith Duncan, man. He of course. is he just ice in his veins. I mean, two two field goals almost fifty yards each. Down the middle, his last one with the game on the line after being iced twice by Scott Frost. And he just steps up and does nothing. The other guy I'd give a game ball to is A.J. Epinesa. A.J. Epinesa was everywhere on this defense today. 14 total tackles, two sacks, five tackles for a loss. This is the guy playing as a top five NFL draft pick in the second half of the season, and he showed it again tonight. Absolutely. 100%. I can't – like – Duncan should just hand him the Lou Groves Award right now. There's no other kicker on the planet in college football, at least, that's better than him. I would take him on the Bears right now if we had the option to be able to just move him on up. That's how much confidence I have in him when he takes a field. I was literally thinking to myself, if Keith Duncan's not on the Bears next year, I will be very, very sad, but forgot he's only a junior and has another year of eligibility left because he just got placed on scholarship officially after this game, Yep, according to the beat reporters in the locker room afterwards. So congrats to Keith Duncan. A bunch of other guys also got put on scholarship too, but Keith definitely deserves it after the season he has put together so far. Let's get into the not-so-great parts of this game, namely the Iowa offense, basically from the second quarter through the rest of the game. Um, Jerry, you were very thankful for Brian Ferentz on this week's episode of Spoko Radio when we are going through things we are thankful for. How are you feeling after tonight's game? This was just another classic Iowa performance where they take a lead early, just like they've done multiple times this season. First half goes exactly the way they wanted they want it to go. They 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 pre-plan all their packages. It, it goes great. They hit on some big plays. They obviously get the kick return. Nate throws that pick, but they come right back. And they're comfortable with their 14-point lead, and then they turtle shell. As as our our buddy Spoko legend Zach Gatton said in our text thread, they're turtling. 
And that's just what Iowa seems to do every single time. And until I see Brian take over this program and do the same thing, I'm going to continue to say that that's Kirk's Ferentz decision because we've seen this for the last 20 years. Kirk, with a lead like this, will just rather punt and go with his defense, who obviously was tired and or Phil got a little confused for the third quarter there because Nebraska went and scored 14 unanswered. And... I mean, that that's all I can say. I, I just can't just always put this on Brian. It's not like Nate Stanley missed wide open dudes yet again today. He threw one like he, he might as well thrown it in the end zone because that's how far like he threw it past. I think it was Tyrone Tracy that time. Yeah. And on top of that, it's the missed deep balls. It's also the drop passes. Tyrone Tracy had a couple other critical Cr- drops. Big today time that, drop. That yeah. Hurt big, big plays mm-hmm. that wiped out big, big plays with his offense is trying to do. And if it hits on those plays. This is a completely different ball. This game isn't even close. Correct. I mean, there just seems to be a mandate from the head coach that says, let's not turn the ball over. Let's go a little conservative and we'll play the field position game because I have trust in our defense. That is the Kirk Ferentz mantra. The and, and I don't the one thing I'm going to I think I'm actually really annoyed by because you, you do get the deep ball shots. And but the problem that I have with it is they come on first line, which is fine. <laughs> yep, I know what you're gonna but say. But then immediately after when they don't hit those, everyone in the whole stadium and watching on TV knows it's going to be an inside zone run play that's going to get maybe two yards. Right into the pile. Right into a pile of people and you're and then you're looking at third and eight. Correct. Because you, you didn't hit in first and long. Instead of just trying to do an intermediate pass or a five-yard pass play, get five yards back instead of just trying to get two. Like, yeah. If you if you if that pass play on second down goes incomplete, it's third and ten. If you run the inside zone play and it gets stopped for two yards, it's third and eight. What's the difference between third and eight and third and ten? That the nine-yard outs you run may actually get a first down as opposed to being stopped short. <laughs> You're right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the only real issue. Like, if if you go through and look at just without the re- end result of each play, the way Brian Ferentz calls plays, it, and for the most part, the way these guys execute plays, it all makes sense. And it actually, if if these things worked a little bit more, it would be it would be fine. It's the it's the problem is that when you take that shot, don't go completely into a shell to follow that up right afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest issue with this. I- and like you said, like you said, the third quarter of the defense looked really just kind of seemed like they were in their own little, like in a different alternate universe, right? Like they, they stayed in, in the like locker that. room. Yeah. I mean, so they forgot to come, they forgot to come out. It was just all, all a mess. Adrian Martinez kind of carved them up. They had a bunch of run because overall, I mean, their Nebraska's run total, they were averaging 3.3 yards a carry. I mean, I'd take that any single day for, for this defense to give up. Mm-hmm. Not much passing yards. I, I just, I mean, you cracked the 26-point mark, as you wrote about a few weeks ago, but just barely, and it took you only you only got a field goal in the second half. Well, and you had, they had 24 going into half. Yes. Like, this should have been like an Ohio State-type performance where they just blow the, the, the roof off the doors or whatever the, the saying is. Blow the, door, blow the roof off the house, blow the doors off the house, blow the roof off, whatever. It doesn't matter. They should have done that, and they didn't. They... They turtled, and that's just what Iowa seems to do. And that's that, whatever they won. It worked out this time. They're nine and three. It's weird that this is the end of the season already, but it's crazy. Beating Nebraska is always a beautiful thing. And then when you play this type of performance, where the cards are literally stacked against you, you Nebraska is getting all the home cooking. There's like some weird like clock issues I noticed too, where some things ran off. That one referee was standing over the ball, and they got took a delay a game. I think maybe that was on the pooch punt. Maybe that was the punt before. I don't really remember, but it just it all seems to be it was a mess. And looking for Iowa to lose, and they did not do that. 
It was a total mess. And even, quite frankly, I thought they could say huddle up after the made field goal if they were trying to find something else to take off, take, take the field goal off the point, off the board. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The rest huddle afterwards after that. So I, I don't understand what was going on. Iowa escapes with a win. Feeling good going to going into championship weekend. We have the rest of rivalry, rivalry week on Saturday, and we go into championship weekend, and we'll figure out where Iowa's going bowling come late December. And uh, excited to preview that and all the other bowl matchups and uh, talk about championship Saturday with you and D- Champ next week. Anything else before we wrap up this recap show? One other thing, something that stood out to me, you mentioned Epinesa, but Jack Horner played really well tonight. He did. He, I think he was third in tackles, maybe second in total tackles, but he was filling the box. He seemed to make like those shoestring tackles at the most necessary moments. He was in on a lot of plays. I want to give that kid credit because it's been, I think the last time I gave him credit was in the Iowa State game when he knocked the ball down. So it's been a long stretch of games for him, but it was good to see him play well again too. And that's not to say he hasn't been solid. He's been solid Correct. all year. Yes, but we just haven't it's called just, his name out. Right. This is another standout game. Yes, he was second in the team in tackles today with 11. Not usually great when you're one of your series as the second leading tackler. Yeah. But, you know, it's, he credit to Nebraska. They stretched this field as horizontally as possible. They just didn't get very vertical. They didn't take many deep shots, as Matt Millen kept complaining about all game. But Jack Horner <laughs> stepped up in the box and made a bunch of tackles. And, and A.J. Vanessa was playing like a top five NFL draft pick, like I said earlier. And it was great to see and come out with a with a much new winning to nine wins and a chance at 10 this year. Yep. It's pretty incredible that Luke McCaffrey had almost just as many yards as Adrian Martinez passing, and he threw 17 less attempts. Well, you know, because Iowa McCaffrey don't go very well together. That's true. Oh, God, that's so true. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys again next week with Champ joining us. For Jer, for Champ, I'm DC. Hawks win 27-24. Go Hawks. Blowing you all kisses from the sideline, Nebraska. Mwah!